This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Spooktober. It's the yeah, I'm just putting all my bones and pumpkins in a box so I can put them down in the crawl space. Do you mean just year. Do you mean just a coffin? Eh, it depends What's... on what counts as a coffin. <laughs> can you... a coffin be Rubbermaid? If so, then yeah, it's a coffin. I don't know what the state of Pennsylvania requires. Mm-hmm. But me neither. Welcome to Overdue. It's a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew, and it's always sad when another spooktober creeps another episode closer to the grave. Get it? Creeps. And grave. Like, <laughs> that's the whole point of the thing that I said. You're such a monster. God, this the ghost of the Spooktober intro will haunt us forever. Yes. It's been a spooky month. It's been a pretty spooky month. We got spooked. We, uh, we got creeped. We got um, creeped. We recorded. You guys are going to hear this week sometime another Ghost Stories episode that was very spooky and surprisingly informational and educational. Yeah, I learned a lot that I wish I hadn't learned. So... <laughs> Oh, it doesn't take that chuckle for all it's worth. Uh, Andrew, you read this week's book. I did. The what? last of our Spooktober What did you read? A Murder of Books. Um, I read Interview with the Vampire by Anne Rice. Ah, yes. Interview with the Vampire. A book I haven't read, but a movie that I saw in high school. So, that the, so that's the 1994 one with Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt in it. Correct. And a window. young uh, Kristen Dunst. Yes. And who uh, there are some? Uh, I think Antonio Banderas is in it. Um, yeah, I think Ethan Hawke might be in it. Um, supporting cast features Christian Slater. Oh, Christian uh, Slater. Antonio Banderas and Stephen Reed, whoever he is. Always mix up Ethan Hawke and Christian Slater. <laughs> They're both just kind of weaselly dudes who show up in movies. (laughs) But this book uh, was published in 1976? 76? 74? Yes, 76. Okay. Um, And we've talked about Anne Rice before. You, this is your second time reading Anne Rice. Yeah. You you read what? Second time out on the rice paddy. Mm. Mm -hmm. What did you read before? I read The Mummy or Ramsey's the Damned, which I actually just got. So at the end of that book, which was written in like 1980 something, it said that Ramsey's the Damned will return. Uh oh. And then this year in 2017, she and her son, Christopher Rice, are have finally co-written a sequel that's coming out. Ooh, that's cool. So it's cool, but I also don't know what it would be like to write a sexy mummy book with your mom. <laughs> With your like seventy five year old mom, I don't yeah. know if I'd be able to do that. It's called Ramsey's the Dam: The Passion of Cleopatra. Okay, 
Okay. And apparently those books and these books take place in the same general fictional universe, which is another yeah, another thing I was not expecting. These books, uh, the Interview with the Vampire kicked off a series uh, that ends up being referred to as the Vampire Chronicles universe. And that um, is fully one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve books long. Mm-hmm. Um, as we record this, that the last one was released in 2016, and then there is a spin-off series called New Tales of the Vampires, and then another connected series um, called Lives of the Mayfair Witches. So, sure. yeah, there are some crossover novels in there, and so they're all part of the same. Vampire mummy witch snow globe that <laughs> Ang Rice has made. Uh, and she has said in interviews that, like, sometimes she starts writing a book and then it just ends up becoming one of these books. So there's one in particular that I think is something like, uh, something about Memnock, or what is it called? Uh, Memnock the Devil. And mm-hmm. it's about, she wanted to write a book about a dude who made a, a deal with the devil, and then she just ended up using one of her vampire characters, because that's what she was <laughs> more interested in. And she's like, all right, that's fine. Well, I also bet a book sells a little bit better when it says, hey, Vampire Chronicles, True. you know you need this one. And it's it's interesting you bring that up, because this book, Interview the Vampire, faced like mixed reviews when it came out. And then mm-hmm. the next one was uh, The Vampire Lestat. Eight, mm-hmm. uh, 1985 which and, focuses on a secondary character in this book who, yes. who as far as I can tell went on to become the more of the yes. main character yes. yeah. uh, and then um, Queen of the Damned was like the breakthrough book in 1988 went right to number one yeah and, so that yeah. one was um, so Dan Rice has like a fascination with Egypt and, and Egyptian mythology and that's part of where the mummy book comes from mm-hmm. and Queen of the Dam was the first of these books that really went all the way back and talked about the origin story of vampires and it ends up being intertwined with some of the some of the mummy origin story stuff she would do later like the mummies in her mummy books are sort of reverse <laughs> vampires like they love the sun oh sure and okay. to eat food okay cool and they love to have sex with people. Which her vampires and also do. that's like the do. reverse of no action. In this book, oh. no, actually. Ooh. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk bit. about that. Things uh, are very sensual. Mm. Can you hear him? My sensual. I, I can. Yes, I can hear it. I Things are very sensual, but nobody ever actually has sex. Ooh. Okay. That's different because she is also uh, written... Uh, some erotic fiction under some pseudonyms. I believe it's A.N. Rocolaire, and I think the other one's Anna Hampling. Mm-hmm. Um, that I have read some of them, <laughs> uh, which we talked about on the Ramsey's the Damned episode, I think, um, about like Sleeping Beauty. And she, there was a Nerdist interview that she gave uh, where she was talking about um, the interesting reaction to that to those books at the time. And, like, uh, why would a woman who is ostensibly a feminist write, uh, like, bondage fiction where women are prisoners? And why is that, like, why is that titillating for people? I mean, Um, part of it is because we all contain multitudes. Yeah, and part of it Um, is, like, who, who, you know, don't yuck people's yums, you know? 
Yeah, which was not a concept that I think existed in 1976. (laughs) But it's interesting because, and and this may change in later vampire books. Like there may be actual sex and not just sure, sure, sure. Standard sort of strange sexual Dracula tension energy, like transposed into someone else's fictional universe, which is what this is. But um, at the time in 76, a negative review said. this was Edith Milton in the New Republic said to pretend that it has any purpose beyond suckling eroticism is rank hypocrisy. Ooh, I don't agree with that okay. review, but I'm just I'm bringing it up as a as a review that is like of its time, I guess. Like the yeah. book seems pretty tame by today's standards. But oh, sure, okay. I guess I can see how you would say that like 40 years ago. Mm. And she also in that same interview I cited talked about how so this book is written from the it's like not quite an epistolary novel right but it is like a dude uh, he's literally interviewing a vampire we'll get to the setup right yeah we'll get to that frame that framing device a little bit later because i have i have questions about it <laughs> okay <laughs> it's efficacy or it's like whole point but yeah yeah sure she was referencing how it is different from some of the other books in the series and even other books that she's written and she is uh is very aware that for some of her fans she is like both a great writer and an awful trash writer i'm using her words <laughs> um quote one of the most venomous and vicious letters i ever received was from a fan of interview who felt i had betrayed that novel by writing the vampire Lestat. i still get chills thinking about that letter and i just think it's interesting that even within a series there are people who are like you messed up and like that, that's the very next book too i like, know it's not just like oh Twenty years later, oh, you sold out your vampires. Yeah. Well, what are you gonna do? Though that book did come out like nine years after yeah. Interview with the Vampire, so that's a that's a while. And as we said, it went on to become a 1994 film, which she originally very much objected to the casting of Tom Cruise, and thought that he was gonna be really bad. But then she said she thought he did a good job. Yeah, she came around on it. She said that it was still her right to have a bad opinion of it going in. But that she came around to it. Sure. Good. Um, and yeah, I think that's most of what we sh- can talk about for this one. If you're interested in a little bit more on the background of Anne Rice, uh, otherwise known as Howard Allen Francis O'Brien, you can check out our uh, mummy Ramsey's the mummy, the damned mummy. What is it called? The mummy or Ramsey's the damned. Okay, great. Uh, um, the one thing like from her background that I'll bring up for this book is when she was, it was a short story that she wrote that she then oh, yeah. expanded to novel length. And, um, and so what, what, what part of it was based on is in, um, 1970 when she was, um, going through her creative writing graduate program, um, her daughter, Michelle, who was around four, um, was diagnosed with acute leukemia and died a couple years later. And um, there is a there is a child vampire character in this book named um, Claudia, who is based in part on Michelle, or at least like inspired by Michelle. Sure, sure. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. I also forgotten about the fact that she apparently was writing it at night while doing research on vampires during the day. 
<laughs> I like wrote the book in like five weeks. She wrote, yeah, she wrote in like five weeks. It was rejected by a lot of publishers for a while. It was a whole, it was a whole thing. So, but um, it all ended up okay in the end, right? We'll find out. Uh huh. Why don't we take a quick break, break, and then you'll tell me about the book. All right, time to take a big break. Big break. Craig, help. What do you need? Help me. I am trying to build like a cool website or something, and I want to use images that don't infringe on anybody's intellectual property rights. Sounds like you need some royalty-free images. Yes, photos that's exactly of things. What I need. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> well, our sponsor this week, Storyblocks, can help you with that, Andrew. Uh, they are a source for high-quality stock images uh, that we are able to offer a free trial for this week. Um, so if you log in, you go into their member library. They've got over four hundred thousand uh, photos and vectors and textures and like illustrations and stuff that you can choose from. Um, they also have an, a marketplace where you can directly buy stuff from people if you really like their thing which is cool Mm -hmm. um i'm right now i'm looking at like a really cool photo of a dude jumping in the air playing guitar uh i'm looking at some close-up photos of men's razors i'm looking at uh skeleton hands holding what appears to be a smartphone (laughs) like (laughs) so you know, Just in case you're writing like a review of a Black Mirror episode or something <laughs> that you need some art for. Yeah, and also like plenty of images of books and, and things like that. Uh, food, all, they got your back. Yeah, and as, as uh, I, I sounded, I guess, a little uh, disingenuous there at the beginning, but as someone who's started a few different like creative projects with, with you and with, with other people... Mm-hmm. Um, finding good, like high resolution stock images to like break up a big chunk of text or just to use as you try to create a logo for something like whether as like inspiration or otherwise, it is really useful to have a library like this that you can look through and you, you know, have full usage rights on the images. You can do what you want with them, what you need with them. And you don't have to rely on getting like a DMCA takedown notice because you use something that you found on Google images that belongs to somebody else. (laughs) You say that like someone who that hasn't happened to. Uh huh. Okay. (laughs) Uh, And they also add new images all the time. So if you do sign up for a full membership, um, there's always something fresh to download. And like I said, you can find uh, new stuff through the marketplace as well. They also have two other uh, databases of audio and video products as well if you want to browse through those. So what you should do if you, like Andrew, need some high-quality stock photos and uh, other images to round out your next project, you should go to storyblocks.com overdue and try it for free for seven days. That's Storyblocks, S-T-O, R-Y-B-L-O-C-K-S dot com slash overdue to download anything from 400,000 images and unlock discounts on millions more. All right, so this is a story about a vampire who's applying for a position at a company. Now, what are their office hours? That would be the first question I would ask if Nine I was to a five. Fa- oh. Nine to five. Ugh, PM to AM. Yes. Okay, great. Then I'm on board. <laughs> Me, the vampire. I'm, surprise! I'm telling a big lie. It's not about that. No. It's just about a, a person who's only referred to as a boy, 
And I assume he's like a young man, but that when you're a 200 year old vampire, everybody seems like a boy to you. Yeah, that makes. But <laughs> a boy is interviewing a vampire for we don't know what, like reason. his school paper. Maybe yes, I don't know. The I town it journal doesn't, doesn't set up how this was, how this like came to be, but it's sort of framed as a a confessional for this vampire named Louis. Or maybe okay. I mean he's French, so maybe Louis. But I'm gonna go with Louis. Okay, uh, I sure. <laughs> I think what I think it might be Louis, but I like I that Louis. we're gonna go with Louis. We're gonna Do you go remember with what Louis. it was in the movie? I think it was Louis, but that could have just been Tom Cruise being cute. So let's go with Louis. No, Louis's fine. <laughs> I always like I hear Louis, and I either think of Louis C.K. or the. King Louis from the Jungle Book. Oh, those are two good Louis. And it's just like Louis. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Louis the Vampire, <laughs> jeez, is telling the story of his two hundred ish year life to this boy. Okay, and the it's boy a, is a, in it's like an all. It's an all, all warts and all interview with this boy. Like, not twentieth century. The boy is just. Like, whatever. He's a 20th century boy with a tape recorder. Okay, okay, great. Why? What does the vampire want to say about his life? He tells the story of his whole life from when, from like before he was made a vampire to, and then he when he was made a vampire, and his travails as an early vampire coming to terms with what he was, and then like the middle section of his life where he was still coming to terms with what he was, and then later in his life where he still was coming to terms with what he was. Mm-hmm. And then uh, his more recent life where he just didn't care about anything anymore. Huh. <laughs> Sounds like a fascinating interview. Yeah. <laughs> it is indeed. Like, I... I, I Let's start by saying that I like the book and it was, it was fun. <laughs> And it gets a little existential and strange in the middle. But Disclaimer, I liked it. Now let's get into the book. Disclaimer, I like the book. It's just if I sounds like I'm just like, oh, whatever, Louis the Vampire, it's because I am so tired. Oh, well, okay. Do you feel like you're two hundred years old right now? No, I feel like I'm thirty two years oh, old. Oh no. Which is as old as I am. No. Um let's start let's start with Louis. As a young man in Nowlands. Nowlands. Nola. Nola. Um, so he's down there. He's running a plantation. He's got like slaves. So that's cool. Well, he, um, he would have, I bet. So he's got this brother who's who is spends all his time praying and he's super pious and it's not it's like it's going down bad okay. for him. He doesn't <laughs> like it. Okay. And he comes to his brother and he says he's going to renounce everything. He's going to go and become a monk. And Louis's like, no, you're not. And then his brother like flings himself off a ledge and dies. Wait, that's a drastic response. I came to you for career advice, Louis. And it's not career advice. He came to say, I am spending all my time praying and I'm going to go do that like professionally. And Louis's like, no. Does Louis need him on the farm? Or I th- think probably that's that's the probably the source of the tension. Okay, sure. So Louis's brother kills himself. That seems tragic. 
And Louis racked with guilt because he was, of course, he was the last one he talked to. Of course, he feels at fault for what happened. And he's just living, he's living pretty hard after this. And he meets this guy, Lestat, who's like, hey, I'll kill you. Because <laughs> I'm a vampire? Does he just lead with that? Like, do they? does he wine and dine him first? That I mean, it seems like I mean, if Lestat, you were Lestat, Lestat just wants company. Well, oh, he, it comes yeah. to, it comes a light later that that Louis has a nice house and a lot of money, and Lestat's like, "What if oh. I bound somebody with a lot of money to me eternally, and then sponged off him for the rest of my life? Well, the rest of your eternal life? Uh huh. Yeah. No, that's the yeah, that's the thing. Does he think that the farm is gonna make money forever? I mean, he's, well, the forever is not. Yeah. He's just kind of swinging from rope to rope. Like oh, you, even okay. if you can't do it forever, you could probably do it for like forty years or however long. Hey, before, that'll do. Before people start being like, "Hey, you're living an awful long time. <laughs> is anything up?" Okay. Yeah, I imagine if you were a vampire, you'd need in this world you'd need to like move around a lot, or just at least like shake up your circle of friends pretty regularly. Yeah, so that that is um that is some of what the book goes into. Like like the, the most interesting stuff the book does, I think is um talking about like the nature of what a mortal life would be like and yeah. some of the like nitty-gritty stuff of like classical Dracula style vampires. Sure, sure. Um okay, so Lestat kills Louis, makes him a vampire, start moves into his house with his dying father and is just sponging off him at this point. Um, and Louis is like having trouble with the whole killing people to stay alive thing. Cause you don't get to eat cheeseburgers anymore. No, they're like the one description of cooking meat in this book makes it sound really gross because you're like cooking all the good blood out of it. Ew. Stop. Ew. <laughs> okay. So we can't eat hush puppies or. No, they don't eat anything. And in fact, when they're around like mortal people, they make a show of pretending to eat. They so it like, is, like they do. They like once once Lestat dr- drinks some people who had had too much wine and it makes him tipsy, which is kind of funny. <laughs> so they don't even drink wine. No, no, mm. no. OK, These... but they can they can drink the blood of animals to, just to, as a subsistence level thing. Oh, like I'm going to have a mouse for a snack. Like, I am riding somewhere on a boat, and if I kill all the people on this boat, people will get suspicious <laughs> of me. So I need to kill some rats. And yeah. Stuff. Okay. That seems like a good plan. Mm-hmm. So is what is there, is there like a relationship between them since Lestat, quote unquote, created him? Yeah, kind of. Like, Lestat is, he's not a very good mentor, but he is the person who, like, knows how stuff works. So it's like, yeah, you got to sleep in a coffin. The garlic and and crucifix thing is a bunch of hooey. Don't pay attention to it. Like <laughs> okay. you, know, we, you can hold a crucifix; it'll be just fine. Just Bram, out in the sun. Bram Stoker's gonna get it wrong when he writes a book about us in a hundred years. Like, uh-huh. okay, cool. Exactly. <laughs> <Right? laughs> <laughs> and yeah, there, there's a so Louis keeps Lestat around. He thinks because even though he's like annoyed by Lestat and he knows that Lestat is sponging off him, that like maybe he knows stuff that I'm gonna need to know, and so I shouldn't just kill my only, the only person who knows what it is to be what I am. Oh sure, okay. 
that's a tough that's a tough situation yeah so he's he's for a while he's just eating animals because he's so racked with like guilt about killing people and Lestat eventually takes him aside as like dude it's in your nature to kill people just kill people like you know how good you felt that one time you killed a person and now you're eating like rats and birds and embarrassing us both <laughs> yeah that's just my friend louis he's not ready yet don't he's, it just like he'll be cool in a bit like he's not like a narc he, or anything he sucks the blood out of a person like there's this whole thing that Rice goes into where she's talking about their like hearts beating as one, and then I don't know, it's a whole thing. That's the sensual stuff you were alluding to. It's a little sensual. We'll get we'll get into a little bit more of it later, but um. Okay. So when you when you drink someone's blood, can you do it without killing them? Are they ever, or is it just like you can, but typically like. Typically, you kill them. That'd be like if I went to Wendy's and like ate a bite of a burger and said, I'll be back tomorrow. And do you leave the burger there? Yeah, hold on to this burger. Hold on, I'll be back. (laughs) Don't. And eventually, like one, eventually you'll eat the whole burger. Yeah. Two, eventually everyone's going to know that you're a huge weirdo and they're going to (laughs) get suspicious of you. That's true. So, yeah, it is very much the same principle. Basically, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Um, just glad that I understand what it is to be a vampire. That's my goal here today. Yeah, no, that's that's the, that's the point of the interview, I guess, is to <laughs> understand the meaning of being a vampire. So Louis and Lestat live together for a while, and all the slaves eventually become suspicious, and they... It's like Louis and Lestat. Louis ends up burning the place down. And Lestat's like, you idiot. Why did you do that? Like, we need a cool place to live. And his dad is our, his dad like dies. And so Louis burns the place down with his dad inside it. And they kill some slaves. And then they leave town. That sucks. Well, they leave, they're in like the, the swampy, like yeah. outlying lands of New Orleans. And then they move into the city proper after this. But um, that's... Well, not a good look, Louis. Just... Yeah, and then there's this there's this woman named Babette who Louis is kind of obsessed with watching from afar, and because her brother was killed in this duel that he saw, and like, and killed by Lestat, maybe. I'm just, I'm trying to remember the whole like sequence of things. It's a, the a side effect of the way that the story is told is that. You just get a lot of names and a lot of information all at once sometimes. Yeah. So, so you'll you... have like 20 pages of like, oh, I'm so, I hate killing people. It makes me feel so bad. And then the plot stuff will happen. And it's like, boom, boom, boom. And now we're in Paris or whatever. Do you, can you talk real briefly before we move on in the plot? Like, is it all just first person? Are there any interstitials from the quote unquote boy? They're interstitials and they're pointless. And I don't know why this is an interview in the first place. <laughs> Should it have just been a first-person book? It could have been. Like, sometimes you get spots where the boy asks a follow-up question and and Louis will, like, dwell on on some stuff. Like, I, that is why it's phrased like this, that, and, like, a little twist thing at the end. Okay. 
Okay. But like the entire last half of the book, like the boy just disappears for a while. So you know that he didn't like need to be there. It is is clear that the vampire is talking to somebody, but there are a million billion books that are, you know, a character talking as though to a close friend or like writing in a journal or something without there being some strange like interview framing device that's been built up around it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Live journal of the vampire is what it could yes, be. Yes, right. Zanga, Count, Zanga, Zanga, Zanga yeah. of the vampire. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what happens so after they this, burn this place this, down? Yeah, they go and, and Louis has, has provided advice to Babette in the wake of her brother's death. And so she's doing okay and her her plantation is doing okay. And so Louis goes and says, hey, I gave you advice and you don't know me, but you got to let me stay here. You got to let me and my weird friend stay in your oh, basement, no. please. Oh, no. And nobody come in to our room while we're staying in here until it's dark out. <laughs> okay. Your new and then there's this, this confrontation <laughs> with, with Babette where she is like, yeah, you're not human. Like, get thee behind me, Satan. Ah, and it sets off this whole th- new round of soul searching within Louis where where he's like, am I a child of the devil? Like, am I innately evil? Is it am I just bad news from now on? Yeah. So how does he feel about having undied? Like, because he wanted to die because his brother died. Right? His whole deal compared to the other vampires who show up in the book, like he is one of the only ones who still feels like human emotion. Now he does talk about like very early on in his vampirehood, like still being afraid of bugs and animals and stuff like going out in the swamp. And Lestat's like, Hey, you're just like remembering that you are supposed to be afraid of this. Oh, that's like habit. About it. Like a human, like you are, you are afraid by habit, but you don't actually have to be worried about it. Um, but yeah, he still, he feels a lot of, um, empathy for for humans and is still like watching them from afar and and yearning for their life like he's um he sets it up in a in a metaphor really well or like he and Lestat are talking about it and and Louis like it's it's like an adult looking back on their childhood and like realizing anew like how good they had it or like oh sure yeah. Or just like like appreciating as an adult what you never could as a child, just like being taken care of and not having responsibility and and blah blah blah. Um, and Lestat's like, okay, that's that's like valid, but just as an adult cannot go back to being a child just because he now appreciates the value of things, you cannot go back to being a human just because you now like recognize the value of life and stuff. Huh. Okay. I like. I like the life. I like that the evolutionary chart is now baby adult vampire. Like I like. Or the, is it? Oh. Or is it? So they go to New Orleans. Louis distraught, and Lasat's like, "Hey, dude, you gotta start killing people." And Louis's <laughs> like, "No, I don't want to. I want to. I know. I hate it." And he's like, "No, I'm not a vampire. I'm not evil. I don't love killing people. Like it's not. I'm not. 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 That's not me." And he's so like hungry and distressed. He comes upon this house wherein this woman is dead on the floor, and her like five year old child is like 
sobbing and and asking for her mommy to get up and and Louis hears this and he goes inside and like before he even knows what he's doing like he's comforting this child and then he's like sucking all the blood out of her whoa Louis and Lestat comes upon him and is like hey you do like sucking blood don't you and they had like Lestat and and Louis's relationship is pretty antagonistic because Lestat is not racked by guilt and does not is not is not concerned with the plight of humanity anymore and Louis is and I imagine that would be very frustrating if you were Lestat. Yeah. You were like, "Hey dude, I made you a cool vampire. Stop uh-huh. hating being a cool vampire." And they come they come upon vampires later who describe like being a vampire as being a gift and louis is like hey that's not how i see it dude <laughs> like this shirt doesn't fit i would like to return it your this gift is itchy yeah so lestat kind of senses louis trying to pull away from him and, and maybe like become independent and he goes out to the hospital this little girl was taken to because she wasn't dead when he left okay and um, so the way that you become a vampire in this book, and I think this is this happens in other vampire literature too, but um, like the vampire drinks from you and then makes you drink from it and you take back in like your own blood mixed with their vampire blood. Yes. I, that's, and that's how you make a vampire. I think that's how that happens in the Buffyverse too. Yeah, I don't right. Know. There's like a whole siring thing. Like I, I know sometimes it's more zombie-ish in that like getting bit at all is enough to turn you into a vampire. Yes. Like if you get yes. bit and not killed, then you'll become a vampire. But that's not it's not the case here and it's not the case in a lot of other places. Sure. So who it sounds like this little girl's gonna become a vampire. Who makes it happen? Lestat ends up making it happen even though Louis started it. Because okay. Lestat's like, you know what's going to save this marriage is having a child. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, that no. is literally the impetus for this whole thing happening. A Band-Aid vampire. No. It's like if they, if they have this child, it will create like incentive for them to, to continue to be companions. And again, I cannot stress enough, there's no like sexual relationship or even like a sensual relationship between Lestat and Louis. Like Louis is is wary of Lestat and Lestat is pretty bored with Louis sometimes, but it's a relationship of of convenience and this is a band-aid that helps keep it together. And there's not like a he can't like command him to do anything. There's not like a mystical No, so you remember in in Dracula that we talked about like there's a there's a a quality that vampires have where they can like exert their will over people yes. sort of yeah sure it's not a direct mind control thing but they're like when when vampires have particularly strong wills they can sort of not quite force you to do stuff but make you a lot more susceptible to doing a thing than you might have otherwise been and does that work on other vampires yeah oh sometimes. okay Okay. So it's not like a foolproof thing, but there are a lot of little story beats where it comes to light later that like, hey, yeah, a vampire made you do this. Oh, no. (laughs) Okay. That's kind of cool. So what happens with this little girl then? This little girl, she's five. Her name is Claudia. She remembers nothing of her life as a human. 
and it becomes clear pretty early on that she's never going to grow up. She's going to be a little vampire child forever. Uh, and so over the next few decades, she she like she accumulates experiences and develops the mind of an adult, but with the body of a child. Uh, and Louis like cares very deeply for her, and there is a little bit of like sort of sexual language employed about their relationship. Though though again, like nothing happens they just like deeply well louis deeply loves her and that's like a lot of his motivation for for stuff okay um so this goes on for a while louis tells her the story of how she was made a vampire um she's really upset about it especially that you know if you waited a few years like i could have just been an adult instead of being in this little dependent child body forever and ever yeah that would really suck um and so they try to kill Lestat. Wait, 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 why? <laughs> because she's mad and they want to escape him. Oh, okay. Oh, that's a reasonable goal. Yeah, so they think they kill him, and then he's not actually dead, and then they think they kill him again, and then they escape to Eastern Europe to like find the to find older vampires who might know more about why they were put on this earth, which is a big a driving concern for Louis, not so much for Claudia, but Louis really wants to know, like, what's my purpose as a vampire now that I have to be a vampire forever? Were there other vampires in Nolens, or was it just, like, the Lestat game? Not that they run into. Okay, so, like, that's part of the reason to go back to you. It's not like there was, like, a... A vampire club. No, just like all the all the like travelers' tales and stories about vampires are all from like Transylvania and, and Eastern Europe and stuff. So they're gonna go back to that like the cradle of vampire life and <laughs> try and find people who have been at this for longer than they have. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So they do that, and this is a pretty depressing stretch of of book. Is they do run into things that are vampires kind of but they're just like mindless corpses like they have the same basic properties of vampires but they can't like communicate they try and kill louis and claudia just like they try to kill humans it's very disappointing like for oh for them like and is there an explanation as to how they became that way no they're just like bad. They're just that at, way. They're yeah. just bad at being vampires. Yeah, I don't know. And, and there's a. It's implied, and this is. I've seen it work this way in a couple other, like, um, I Zombie that show that like with, with a zombie who solves crimes. Like yep. there's a, <laughs> there's a mechanic in that show where if you don't get to eat often enough, you do go like full George Romero like. Oh, lose control okay. of yourself, like no point of no return, zombie. So, like there might. And so be it, a... it is implied that like maybe these people were buried and they like went totally bonkers, like from starving in their coffin, and their mind died, but their body like persevered. So I didn't ask this before when you were talking about killing Lestat. What, what in this book at least is introduced as a means of killing a vampire? Destroying a vampire's remains. Like, just, like, burning them? Fire can do it. The sun can do it. Okay, yeah, the sun. Um, those that. are the Those are the big ones. No, as you said, no garlic. 
what about yeah, like, like, like some people do the some people do the stake in the heart, like the cut off the head thing like that. The vampires don't love that when it happens. <laughs> like you can hurt a vampire. Yeah, sure. By doing that stuff. But pretty much anything short of full immolation. They'll come they back. Can, they seem to be able to come back from. OK, sure. So they're in Eastern Europe. Yeah, so they, they're like, well, this is a bust. And so they go to Paris and then they run into, I'm just going to like skim through the rest of it. They get to Paris. They run into this like gang of vampires who run the theater of the vampires. Uh, I've, what it's I called. vaguely recall this from the film. Yes. And they put on for audiences of real people, these quote unquote performances where all the vampires who run the company like kill a human person on like live on stage like some grand guignol like and they just think it's really awesome like special effects oh but those people are really dying oh no no. they're really dying on stage and really begging for their lives okay it's a true bummer um and man what else is so so Louis is is like strongly attracted again this is about as sexual as the book gets like very strongly attracted to and intrigued by the person who heads up this vampire company but hey the only thing you can do in the eyes of other vampires that's a crime is to kill another vampire and so what ends up happening is like so Louis wants to leave Claudia to be with this other vampire guy um, Claudia is like, that's fine, but I need you to make me an adult to be with me because like a little kid can't just like rent hotel rooms and lofts and live in a lap of luxury. <laughs> so he creates this, this other vampire from this woman who lost a child and things look like they're going to work out in their sort of grotesque way. But Hey, Lestat didn't die and he's back and he's like, Hey, Claudia killed me. And so all the vampires from this troop like take this mom, this new mom vampire and Claudia and like drag them out into a courtyard and lock them out there and they get fried by the sun. No. And Louis, in response, torches the theater and all the vampires in it. Do they all die? The guy who leads the thing figured that Louis was going to do this and let him do it. So he lived. And so they then they live together for a while and they go back to the U.S. and eventually they go back to New Orleans and and uh, Louis sees Lestat again and he's just like a, he's still immortal but he's sort of a shut in old man who doesn't go out anymore. And so this is um, what the book has to say about immortality. So the oldest vampire we see is about four hundred years old. Oh, that's not so terribly like old the, for immortalness. It, yeah, it go back to like the 15th century. And he's okay. like, yeah, as far as I know, I am the oldest vampire that's alive in the whole world. Huh. Because there is sort of a vampire whisper network where like rumors <laughs> spread about vampires. Yeah, sure. Who do bad stuff to other vampires and what have you. But um but yeah, like he's 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 saying, you know, you can live forever, but eventually the the styles and the art and just the the time that you were comfortable being alive in is wiped off the face of the earth huh and you run up against something that you just cannot bear so like we don't we have not hit this point for louis yet by the end of the book but when he's visiting lestat there's like a a siren like a 
the police siren outside and Lestat's like, oh, I hate it. I hate it. Like he's shrinking down and cowering. Like he just, I would think that like electricity, like widespread electricity and like horseless carriages might be a breaking point. But it's the ambulance siren that does it. Yeah, for for like some vampires from like the the 18th or 19th centuries. I think Snapchat might be mine. If like you I, were a vampire from like 1950. Well, well, sure, but you're also you're talking about this and this is like okay, it's about what it means to be immortal, but it, it is also about just like what it's like to age. What it's like to age. Like I, the first time you run up against a social network or like a meme that you don't understand. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, man, I'm like, I'm out the game now. Like, I'm, I'm not. I'm still a little fuzzy on that meme that's like four brains. Like, I, I, some of them have made me laugh, but I feel like I don't know how to use it. Oh, I don't. I would never use it. I, I understand. It's like in in high school Spanish where you can understand people <laughs> speaking, but you can't. You're not very good at speaking the language yourself. Yeah. So I think this gets at and rice has talked about how like why she's interested in vampires and in particular with these stories like why write this first book from the perspective of a vampire is that it is the outsider's perspective it's always about like what it is to be on the outside of what's happening and it's interesting well, that yeah, so and what you get in here is uh somebody who is in it telling like conveying to somebody who is outside of it like hey here is what yeah, it's actually yeah. like, and yeah, Im- immortality is kind of a curse and not a gift. And you're gonna see everybody you love die or like drift away from you, and eventually you're not gonna understand the world that you live in anymore, and you will go out and like kill yourself anyway. So that like the immortality effectively ends up being a span of a couple or a few hundred years, depending on how adaptable you are to like shifting styles and shifting attitudes and and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I feel like that will only, that's like just going to accelerate once you hit 1980 and then like one week, everyone has 140 characters on Twitter and next week, like some people have 280, but not everybody, but not everybody. And yeah, if you were, if you're made a vampire in the eighties and and let's face it, there are probably a lot of vampires in the eighties and you got to 2017, you'd be like, okay, Nobody wants to do blow with me all day anymore. <laughs> Donald Trump is the president of the United States of America. And what is what is up with these new social medias? <laughs> I couldn't even think of one that I don't know because I can't Listen, let it enter I knew, my brain. I knew I got Live Journal. I was okay with Facebook. Like Pinterest, just I couldn't tell if I didn't get it or if it just wasn't for me. But then by the time you got the Snapchat, I was done. I just don't, I don't get it anymore. I don't get it. I like got I can't, Instagram, but I don't I get Instagram stories. What's the I difference? Can't do vampire Tinder. I could do okay <laughs> Cupid, but I don't understand Tinder. <laughs> so where does Louis? wind up he's given this interview he winds up giving this interview to this boy who's like man being a vampire sounds rad make me a vampire <laughs> and louis like you didn't like did you did listen you listen to me <laughs> like did you, did you just not get it <laughs> and louis gets really upset and sucks all the blood out of him but doesn't kill him and doesn't make him a vampire oh man and then leaves 
And then the end of the book is the boy going back in the recording and figuring out from context clues where Lestat lives. And he's like, I'm going to go see if I can find this guy around somewhere still. Interesting. The end. I, As I recall, the film ends with Lestat. You do get an image of Lestat at the end. I think he finds him or he like reappears or, and I think sympathy for the devil plays. Yeah. I mean, end. you, you do like the, the last scene with Lestat and Louis is very near the end. And Lestat is presented pretty sympathetically. Like Louis's early contempt for Lestat, like, Oh, he's a bad teacher. Oh, he's intellectually incurious. Oh, he doesn't care about humanity and, and morals Mm -hmm. like that all gets peeled away as he goes throughout his life where, where by the end he doesn't even really blame Lestat for what happened to Claudia. Like he's just, he has more like appreciation for what it was like as, as he, um, as he develops a, a better sense of self as a vampire. Sure. I guess sure. if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Are there, you know, it's, it's strange cause you don't get the idea that Lestat's been a vampire for a whole lot longer than Louis. Like, that's yeah. It's a question. Lestat still has an elderly ailing mortal father huh. when they first meet. So oh. it can't have been more than a couple decades. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know much more about the series to know where Lestat is. And I imagine as you were alluding to like it all going back to Egypt, like I think the queen of the damned is like supposed to be the progenitor. If you, yeah, if you want to know or like vampire origin stories, it's what this book teases for a long time, but never gets to, I think queen of the damned actually does get there. So if that's what, like if origin stories or just like an explainer of like the mechanics of a particular monster type are what you are coming to these books for. Like that's the, that's the one that you should go to. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting thing about this series that like, it sounds like this, you know, this book was a short story and then it became a a standalone book and she didn't come back to it for eight or nine years. And then now there's, you know, a dozen books in the series. Yeah, like the period of the greatest activity was, I think, mid 80s to like the early 2000s or when yeah, almost yeah. all of these books were written. And it, that's an interesting shift from here's a standalone story about what it means to be immortal to I'm a flesh out this vampire universe, which are n- right. not 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 an it's not an invalid goal or anything, but it's just slightly sounds like it might be different from what this book is up to. Well, and and to some extent, like to to go back to Buffy, um, it's it's like so this is a book about Angel, and what you get when you get a broody vampire who feels bad about everything. Okay, and then the rest of it is like, what if we hung out with all these vampires that were just <laughs> rad? And being vampires and not yeah. feeling upset about it. Okay, cool. Um, and I don't, I don't like. I'm sure there are still some ruminations on the the nature of mortality and morality that happen in the later books. But I'm willing to bet that by the time you write like 15 of them, that that is not happening as much anymore. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear that from you me. were just you were just reading to find out. Oh, hey, what happens to my boy Lestat? Yeah, I'd be interested to hear from uh, listeners who have read more of these books because I also think, like, I bet there's some time jumping, like, 
she could write stories in different periods as Lestat. Oh yeah, she's um, she's pretty floaty about time, except to say that like mean, she does anchor it in time at some at a few points, but there's ton there's just decades and decades of wiggle room to retcon stuff without explicitly contradicting anything that oh, you can sure. play around with as an author that I'm sure she does. Okay. Um, um were there any other like vampire tropes or behaviors that she leaned into or leaned away from that we didn't touch on? The only other thing I wanted to talk about, so we talked a little bit about um, about the nature of immortality, but there's a an interesting conversation between um, I got a I got a what was his name? It starts with a uh, Armand. See that vampire the, from the end is yeah the vampire from the from the theater who Louis is is taken with. They have a uh, conversation about like the nature of good and evil, because this is something that has, has been sort of tormenting Louis since, especially since Babette like called him a child of Satan. Sure. And, and Armand is like, well, I mean, Satan is a creation of God. And even if we are children of the devil, which he neither confirms nor denies, are we not all just children of God anyway? And then it gets into this, this, thing where where Louis is like yeah there's good and evil and we are evil and Armand is like well aren't there different like different types of being good like there's the innocent kind of good that a baby is there's like being a good housewife there's being a priest who like forsakes everything like it's just not not to like gender it that's the specific example that they use but it's like you like helping an old lady across the street versus like you giving up everything to help other people for your entire life. Like you can, you can be a little good and not a lot good. Like there are different grade, like different grades of good. And then he says, you know, if, if there are different types and like amounts and degrees of good, are there not different degrees of, of evil? And I think, I think for my part, the, the answer is yes, there, there are definitely different <laughs> amounts and degrees of evil. Yeah, that's certainly true. But Louis's position is that he's so racked by guilt. Like the ultimate evil, like the evil that you can't come back from is taking a, a taking somebody's life. And when you're a vampire, like not only are you doing that yourself, but you're also responsible for, like all the lives that the vampires you make take. So like yeah. his, his lingering humanity is dealt a really huge blow when he makes that vampire mom for Claudia to hang out with because uh. he has created somebody who's going to keep killing like a person a day for as long as they exist. Yeah, I was basically uh, oof. Um, I thought I was, I had a thought you were th- talking about that earlier about eating people. Well, <laughs> I, I got distracted by the concept of eating people. Um, but yeah, it's like, oh, when, when Lestat was talking about his true nature and it's like, it's in your nature to eat people. If I was Louie in that situation, I'd be like, yeah, but dude, you made me a vampire. <laughs> like I was a human before I could have just died. Mm-hmm. And instead you made me this thing 
and you're saying now it's in my nature to do this thing I don't want to do. That's a that's an argument I cannot get behind Lestat. Yeah, I mean, Louis blames a little bit that Lestat just, like, tried to take him from zero to eating people in, like, the space of two days. <laughs> yeah. So that, you know, he's a vampire, and then he and Lestat go out, like, the next day, and Lestat sort of forces Louis to, to drink from somebody. And it's really intense, but it's also something he's not ready for. And so it's many, many, many years before he kills a person again. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Um well cool. Yeah, so that that's the book. It's um just the the whole interview gimmick. I like uh, I guess it's an effective hook like if you're just trying to get people in with like the concept and the cover but from the perspective of like as a storytelling device, I found it to be pretty inessential. Yeah, like I wonder it sounds hmm. I, I it's it's a good pitch for a book. But it's a good pitch for a book. It's pr- like I am at, I believe that the boy like is featured in subsequent books and gets a name and everything. Like yeah, I yeah. I think it pays some dividends later. But like this wasn't followed up for like nine years, so that's not something she had in mind when she wrote this book in the first place. Sure, sure, necessarily. So yeah, it's a it's a way to say, hey, yeah, I'm telling a vampire story. This is my hook. And that get that sort of gets you in, and then she has other interesting things to say after that. But I was just a little confused about like why are we why are we doing this this way? Like it does the book did not need to be told this way, essentially. Yeah, and it, it is interesting that it's from a vampire's point of view. Which she there are interviews that reference that like when she was writing it, she was not aware of any other book that had done it that way. Sure. Um, yeah, but I could it, believe that. It's a way to put it in the vampire's point of view, but not have it be just the vampire's book, which is like a little middle ground that I guess is is interesting. But yeah, from a from everything you've said, it doesn't sound like the boy factors into the telling of the tale in a consequential way. So yeah, why yeah, hardly it? at all, really. I would you'd just as soon read a diary or something. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I think the vampire diaries is its own. That its own is thing. that is its own thing. Um. <laughs> And there weren't any like other monsters or anything in this book, right? It's not. No, like... they don't meet like a Frankenstein and hang out or anything. <laughs> well, that's because that's a trope. Also, is like once you unlock vampires well, in a and universe, also because Frankenstein's the name of the doctor, oh, not geez. the monster. But whatever. Um, but all right, neat. Vampires. Vampires. They suck. Nice. Yeah. All right, let's go. Home. Let's get out of here. Uh <laughs> if you have thoughts on the Anne Rice vampire universe, uh you can hit us up on social media or on our email account, which is overduepod at gmail.com. Uh the social media that I alluded to is twitter.com slash overduepod or facebook.com slash overduepod. We got a bunch of folks reaching out to us this week, including but not limited to April, Tessa, Chloe, Sarah, Leslie, Ryan, Michael, Michelle, Joyce, Lawrence, Lucas, Becky, Kat, Wen, Starfish, Chick, Aaron, Britt, Daisy, Glenn, Teresa, Graham, Melissa, Barb, Librarian of Snark. We appeared in, in their dreams, which is something. I don't know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> sure. Libby, Charlotte, Kristen, AJ, Rupp, and Sean, uh, and many others. Thank you this week 
for hitting us up. We really appreciate it, and it's a great way to keep talking about some of the episodes that we do. Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show, where should they go? They should go to OverduePodcast.com, which is our internet website, where we have links to Twitter and Facebook and iTunes and RSS and Google Play and our Patreon and all the different stuff that you can use to subscribe to the show and find out more about the show. Um, this week, let's talk about our new listener page. I like that page. It's a good page. We need to update it, but, um, it stands as a record of episodes we've done that we liked that you should start with. If you are trying to get somebody new into the show, I believe the mummy episode is one of them. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that I think this episode would necessarily (laughs) be at the top of my list (laughs) if you were trying to get somebody if you're trying to recommend the show to somebody like those are good episodes to start with um and then we haven't posted anything for november yet but craig can you tell them what the what the gimmick is we have another gimmick month happening. yeah we have another gimmick month happening this these are books that we have read before that uh are in our wheelhouse we've read them and we're going to go back for a second look so I'm looking at our social media feeds right now being like, yo, I got to post that. But for those listening, I'll give you a preview. Here's what's coming up. Um, I'm going to start next week with Wrinkle in Time. Then Andrew's going to read The Great Gatsby. Then I'm going to hit up Ender's Game. Then Andrew's going to read Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And then our bonus episode is going to be Fahrenheit 451. So these are all books that we know that you know. Um, but books that have come up via email and online and other people yeah. reaching out like long like biggins biggins, biggins to be hit. people people request a lot and it's it's the reason we haven't done them before now is that they break the rule of the show which is if we have to read a book that we've never read before so these are all books that we are familiar with but maybe haven't read in a while or haven't Correct. read as adults Correct. Um, like I, I know at least a couple of them are things that we read in high school that we just like we have no like adult context for and might not even remember all that much about. But since technically we read them, we can't do them for the show. So this this month we are breaking all the rules, being very subversive. We figured we'd like lump it into a month and have it be a bunch of books that you can get excited about. Yeah, so. make it be a thing. So uh, have I, I think it's going to be fun. I hope you guys have fun, too. That's the plan. I think the the likelihood that we will anger a fandom is higher this month than it is going to be for most months. But We're willing to we'll, weather it. It's fine. Yes, exactly. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week. And until then, try to be happy. That was a HeadGum Podcast.